This program contains adult content. Is there a God? A big atheist. Really? What, am I an idiot? Come on. That yes, it would be nice if you could throw your sins and your responsibilities on someone else. But it's not true. It looks like far-left lunacy. I don't believe that it's true that religion is moral or ethical. You don't need to follow anybody! It's not human intelligence! If someone doesn't value logical consistency, what logical argument are you going to give them that will demonstrate that they should? Hello and welcome to the Godless Revolution. Today is Wednesday, February 3rd. This is episode 319. I'm Dan Ellis, joined via remote connection by two of the most awesome co-hosts ever in the history of the world, Mr. Ryan Duffy. Oh, yeah. And Mr. Taylor Green. Hey, hey. Woo-hoo. So last week we talked about the satanic panic. Uh, this week we will be talking about some other moral panics and how they repeat themselves throughout our history. And hopefully this will give everybody a bit of a guide to recognizing when these things start unfurling so that we can pull as many people away from the edge of dumb fuckery as possible, as quickly as possible. Uh, Taylor has put in a bunch of research and uh, will be manning the helm for today's show. So um, with that, I'm going to turn it over to you guys for a second. Real quick, uh, Ryan has has something he wanted to say, I believe. Yeah, I mean... uh as we all know, today is February 3rd, which is my mom's birthday. <gasps> Ooh. So, uh, I just I just wanted to say happy birthday, mom. And uh, as a gift, I will not be using the word cunt throughout this entire episode. <laughs> You're not going to say cunt the entire time. No, my mom does not like that word. So just for her on her birthday, I won't say cunt. I think it's awesome that you're not going to say cunt tonight because I know a lot of people get really bothered by the sound of the word cunt. And I don't know. That's just a, that's, that's a, that's a reaction that some cunty people have to the word cunt. It's strange. I mean, it's so much more eloquent just to say it than rather say like, see you next Tuesday. That's just like, it's the Mormon way of saying it. (laughs) Um, I, I mean, I don't have a problem with the word. Uh-huh. I love a lot of British and Australian comedy and humor, uh-huh. uh, and they have no problem with the word cunt. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah they, I was deployed with them all season. Uh, like, you're my cunts. Like, I love you yeah. guys. So <laughs> yeah. it's going to be hard not to be like, oh, yeah, here's my here's my cunt, Ryan Duffy. That's I know. So, yeah, for, so for the rest of this episode, I will not use the word cunt. That's, I mean, that's, my, that's my gift to my mom for her birthday. Yeah, that's very big of you. Ryan, I'm sure she'll appreciate yeah. that you're not going to say the word cunt at all during this episode. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be hard, but <laughs> I'll, I'll do my best. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Mr. Grin, what, what have you got for us? Okay. Um, so last week we talked about some of like the, the less frequently talked about parts of the satanic panic, which got me thinking because I've seen a lot of like QAnon stuff in the news lately. Um, you know, it's like everyone's kind of, um, realize what's going on in our country kind of I realize that this is a bigger thing than I thought it was. It's not just some fringe group, um, which got me to thinking about like previous times in America and in the world where this kind of thing has happened. Um, so what I wanted to do was kind of survey like the moral panics that have happened in the past um, and, and see if we can't find any through lines with them uh, because honestly, they're all the same thing. Um, so without further ado, 
um there's there's two things i want to do tonight um first i want to show that um for most people um knowing the specifics of a given moral panic i don't think is necessary and i think it can actually be kind of harmful um there's a repetition effect in psychology that basically like if you hear claims, even false claims over and over again, your mind starts to latch onto those and like give them credence. And so there's kind of like a counterproductive value anytime the media like goes over the claims of a moral panic because it, it broadcasts the ideas of that moral panic to people where they otherwise wouldn't have seen them. Mm-hmm. Um, but then kind of conversely, the other thing I want to do is, is show how like the big trends of all of these moral panics are important to know so that when you do see them, you can like recognize them for what they are. And I know those seem like two cross ideas, but um, I hope by the end of this, like it makes sense why I'm saying what I'm saying. So um, let's go ahead and start with the satanic panic. Um, last week we talked about it and we covered some of the lesser known cases. Um, what's important to know about the satanic panic is that the like big brunt of the satanic panic was deep concern about um, like daycare centers and children being raised like at home alone or being difficult to get in touch with. Um, And police started like looking into claims made by panicked parents and were using interrogation methods that were like really bad at actually getting real information from kids. And so those um, kids were starting to tell crazy stories about like flying or being flown out of town pardon me flown out of town um yeah well and and so you you mentioned you know kids being being raised without parental supervision there and this i mean it kind of goes to a time when this was this was toward the beginning of like women's rights and and women entering the workforce uh you know latchkey kids i remember growing up you know i would i would get home from school and my sister and i would have at least two or three hours after school where we were just home by ourselves and got into all kinds of mischief. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And and there were a lot of conservative groups at the time who were looking at like um, women entering into the workplace. Right. And they would call it like a, a destruction of family values, you know, basically saying that like the family unit is breaking down now that women can earn their own paycheck and have their own bank account. And that um, uh, like daycare facilities and babysitters were like a further like symptom and effect of this, like to them degradation of the American family. Um, and, and as I'll be talking about much later on, um, I think that it is these social changes that cause moral panics. Mm. Um, but, but yeah, as far as like the big claims of the satanic panic, uh, you know, they they believe that people were drinking children's blood as part of satanic rituals. They believe that they were taking kids away from their homes, um, abusing them and then bringing them back to their homes. That There were like these whole trafficking organizations that would, you know, steal kids away and bring them back. Um, they also believed in uh, human sacrifice. And, and there was actually a limited number of people, um, kind of like that comedian we were talking about last week, Ryan, um, who believed in like government conspiracies overlapping with this. Yeah. Um, 
to where they thought that like some of the satanic panic stuff and like the forgotten uh, memories or, you know, how like they believe that they could get memories back through like therapy the, or, or interviews and that kind of thing or whatever they called it. Yeah. Um, they thought that some of that might've had to do with like the CIA MK ultra program, oh. but that was like those anti-government kind of fringe, you know, like, like chemtrails people. But at the time they were trying to link the same thing, that satanic panic to some sort of, uh, you know, government organization as well. Um, which is just wild to me how similar that is to QAnon, right? Um, you guys have talked about QAnon like kind of in, in fleeting in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like mentioning people in QAnon and how fucking stupid it is. <laughs> yeah, right? some, of the, some of the specific claims and predictions that they've made, the failed predictions that they've made. Right. And, and like to be real, there's literally entire podcasts dedicated just to like, what is QAnon? Who are the people? What do they claim? All that jazz. And I don't want to like relitigate a ton of that. Um, uh, you know, I, I do recommend, uh, it's called QAnon anonymous. They've got a good show where they yeah. go into like in, in depth on that. If, if you care listener, but, um, you shouldn't like really, you shouldn't. It's, it's bullshit. And we'll go over some of their big claims. Their, their big overarching claim is that there is like a cabal or like a cult of like left wing people, Hollywood people, you know, rich and famous people who have like an organized child trafficking thing and that they harvest these children. Like, like basically they claim that they, um, that these cabal of people, torture kids in order to get them into a heightened state of fear in order to activate their adrenal glands to to tap adrenochrome from them which then they drink and it makes them more youthful um and if i told you that was the plot for like a steven seagal movie you would believe me right like <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, steven seagal movies are complete shit yes all, yes yeah, yeah or a nick cage you know probably more of a nick cage movie than a steven seagal movie but but i always like, think the biggest problem with with that though is they say like the clintons are drinking adrenochrome to stay young and live forever bill has like, like shit yeah, they're, they're aging like crazy <laughs> and i thought bill is like in the early stages of like dementia almost where he's his memory is is going he's his health is failing like yeah but but i mean it's important to know that like with conspiracy theories reality doesn't matter you're constructing an alternate reality yeah um but that's that's like the big thing so where QAnon comes from is um there's a website called 4chan and it is a shithole don't go there um it's it's the elephant graveyard of the internet um and on those forums, an individual posted claiming to have what's called Q clearance, um, which I'm, I'm going to make an aside on this, right? Like QAnon is, is claims that they have a Q clearance, which gives them government clearance. But the problem is, is that like if you look up, you can look up on Wikipedia what Q clearance is. It's Department of Energy, like nuclear secrets clearance, which has nothing to do with like, say, you know, FBI investigations or CIA stuff like has nothing to do with any of that. Somebody with a Q clearance wouldn't know jack shit about anything but like nuclear power plant security. Um, so even if they had Q clearance, which they don't um, like, it's not going to tell you anything. It's it's bullshit from the start. It's not even a good fake persona. Um, and honestly, I think they probably got that idea from Archer because in like 2015, Archer gets Q clearance in order to go to area 51, right? Like that's, that's the kind of bullshit that we're dealing with, with these guys. 
Um, Archer so, is a good cartoon. Oh, Archer is great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that one season where they were like doing the road show where Charlene was like a country singer. I wasn't a big fan of, but Archer in general is great. I, I loved it when they had to change their name. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like fuck ISIS. Shit. Ah, shit. Why do you have to ruin all the good things? Um, <laughs> so, uh, QAnon started dropping what people call Q drops, which were just little like cryptic bullshit on 4chan that then like Q influencers would start to like interpret very much like one must have interpreted like drug adled, you know, prophecies from like priests in the Iron Age and turn those into Bible verses. Like it's the same kind of thing where like one person issues bullshit and the other people try to turn that bullshit into what they want it to mean so that they can influence people's actions, right? Well, and it's weird um, that when they do that, like, it, it tells you a lot more about their personal mindset than about anything that they really want it to be, right? Or that, or anything that it really is. Like, they'll take it and twist it and mold it into whatever deep, dark fears or desires they have themselves. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because what they believed, um, and that's obviously starting to shift now what they believed is that um they they called an event the storm and they believed that donald trump and folks within the doj were going to just roll out and start arresting people like the clintons and the obamas and shit like that um and expose this big cabal of like sex traffickers and satanists and shit like that um and then obviously trump is out of office and that never happened and there were multiple failed predictions that that storm would occur at multiple occasions and what's wild to me without getting into too much detail is that it reminds me a lot of um what's called the day of the rope which comes out of um the uh, the turner diaries which yeah. was like a white supremacist thing where they believed like that a a revolution would happen across america and and jews and liberals would get hung so i mean it's like crazy how beat for beat um QAnon follows some of that old turner diaries white supremacist shit but like whitewashing it of the like nazi stuff and making it instead like just anti-liberal anti-hollywood stuff i mean that's also where you had got on the january 6th insurrection them putting up the nooses and right. for, i saw a lot of people making the the comparison like oh it's the day of the rope yep yep and um and and like I don't think that's an un like that's not just a scientific wild ass guess like there are a few of the Q drops that like had Jewish character caricature cartoons in them like there is some degree of anti semitism baked in the QAnon to me it just looks like laundering like they're trying to make it more broadly uh, appealing to individuals who are not yet like drinking the white supremacist Kool Aid but it's there like it exists um but yeah I mean again we're seeing these common themes you know the the spiriting away children. Uh, to like harvest their blood. Um, we're seeing like these cabals of, of, you know, other people who, who are in power and yet are somehow unable to like take complete control of the government. Um, so I want to go back in time now to an earlier event. Um, and, and this is called blood libel. Now, blood libel still exists. Um, Ryan, you and I were talking, you know, before yeah. the show and doing the research that like there are people who put out like, blood libel claims now um and i want to be i want to be really sensitive um because i am not the first human being to ever do comparative analysis of like blood libel to other um pogrom like moral panics um 
but there is like consternation amongst the Jewish community of other people calling things blood libel when they're not attributed directly to the Jewish community. So I want to make sure that any of our listeners know, like, that's not what I'm doing. You know, I'm saying like blood libel is a thing that exists. It, it applies specifically to Jewish communities. Um, and then I'm not saying that like QAnon is blood libel. I'm saying it's similar to it. Um, so with that caveat out of the way, um, what blood libel is, is it's um, like a canard, like a fake. It's it's a fake conspiracy that has existed for a very long time and follows all the same tropes. Um, it looks like it probably started in around the 1100s, um, just after the First Crusade. Um, it looks like Europeans were starting to become anti-Semitic due to the whole Crusades to reacquire the homelands. Um, or, or let me scratch that. That's how easy, easily culturally it gets into you, right? <laughs> They're trying to steal the the Holy yeah. Land, right, from yeah. from Muslims and Jews. Um, and afterward, there was a lot of anti-Jewish sentiment in Europe. Now, uh, there was a British community that like, basically besieged uh, uh, their Jewish members of the community. And when those Jewish members of the community were faced with a mob, they chose to commit suicide rather than be literally torn apart by a mob. Because like, it's important to understand, kind of in light of, of January 6th, that like mobs have literally torn limbs off of bodies, right? Like when that many humans get that crazy and start attacking other people, um, they will, I'm, I mean, literally tear arms off of bodies. Like mobs are terrifying. Oh yeah. Um, they'll they'll so beat police these, officers to death with, with, uh, fire extinguishers or trample people to death on the stairs. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like, like, there is a reason why there is like a, a deep seated fear of like the zombie thing, right? Like when you see zombie movies and you see the zombies like swarm around a person that start tearing that person apart, like that speaks to the deep seated human, like er fear of the mob because mobs will do that to people. It's, mm. it's terrible. Um, so, so after that happened, um, there was an English propagandist who wrote that if a Jewish community um, would be willing to kill their own children, and they were referring to the, the Jewish members who like killed their kids and then themselves rather than be killed by the mob. Um, if they would do that to their own kids, then they would be willing to do it to Christian kids. And from there, it expanded out um, into this, this idea of blood libel. And it's very similar to the QAnon stuff. They believe that, that Jewish cults that were in hiding would um, consume the blood of, of Christians in order to make pacts. Um, there was uh, an accusation in, I want to say it was like Slovakia um, in the 1800s, where somebody accused a Jewish family of kidnapping a child to a nearby borough, killing them, draining them of their blood, and then returning them to that borough. Um, and then there was a pogrom that, that followed after that. Um, and And it's crazy, like... It speaks to the degree to which people deny reality because, you know, historically, Jewish communities have tend to be highly conforming to like their religious beliefs. And the Old Testament, like that is still followed by Jewish communities, strictly prohibits the consumption of any blood. Like when when, you know, uh, a halal slaughtering of meat involves draining all of the blood from an animal before you begin to process it. Like it is strictly forbidden. And yet in spite of that, um, you know, the blood libel myth persists um, and, and they claim that there's consumption of blood. Um, now, personally, I think that that like origin story of the Christians 
saying like, oh, these these Jewish folks killed their own kids. Right. So they'd kill ours. I think that's a retrospective justification. I think that that was the person at the time who wanted to be anti-Semitic coming up with a clean excuse. Um, And it's it's wild to me that Christians would engage in that kind of a myth against um, Jewish folks because that had happened against them in the past as well. I'm Bryce Barkenagle. Have you ever wondered if Joseph Smith was drugging the early Mormons? Turns out it might be possible when you have a fantastic congregation that is witnessing angels floating around in the rafters and think that the temple is on fire and they're running out in the snow and writhing around on the ground naked. Yeah, as it turns out, drugs might be the best explanation. Be sure to check out my Sunstone Symposium presentation on the Joseph Smith Entheogen Theory by punching that into any YouTube browser. And thank you so much for checking that out, and be sure to check out the Naked Mormonism podcast. This is the Godless Revolution. Hey, hey, hey. Hi. Hi. All right, so, uh, yes, this building is a yeshiva, but have you ever noticed that there is an inscription over the door that is incredibly highly creepy? Mm. What does it mean? Don't you know? We're Jewishy. Oh, not by choice. Hey, come on. Religion is dumb as fuck, all right? It's racist, it's sexist, there's no money in it anymore. Thank you to everybody who has rated the show on iTunes and Stitcher and are following us on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. And to all our Patreon patrons, you make the show possible. Decay of morals grows from day to day. A secret cabal is wreaking havoc across the land. Its members recognize one another by secret signs and marks, and everywhere they introduce a kind of religion of lust that subverts ordinary fornication. There is a rumor that they worship the private parts of their director and the high priest. Maybe the rumor is false, but such suspicions naturally attach to their secret and nocturnal rites. Mm, That sounds like a cult. (laughs) <laughs> right. Sounds like a cult, right? Like yeah. sounds, sounds like QAnon shit, right? Um, worshiping private parts, religion of lust, like decay of society, right? Nah, man. Second century common era oh, wow. is when that's from. Yeah. So before Christianity became the big thing in Rome, there was a lot of conflict between Roman pagans and Roman Christians. And when that was going on, a Christian apologist wrote um, a dialogue, you know, like the the Socratic dialogues kind of thing, where it's an invented conversation between two people in order to, like, push out viewpoints. So what this guy did is he wrote his dialogue that was supposedly between a Roman pagan and a Christian. And throughout the dialogue, the Roman pagan was making claims that in the real world, Roman pagans were making about Christianity at the time. And the Christian author of this dialogue then had the Christian character in the dialogue debunk those claims. And that claim that I read to you, the decay of morals, you know, blah, 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 comes from the mouth of that Roman pagan in that dialogue. Um, So what that means is, is that like, these are the sort of arguments that Christians at the time in, you know, 100 common era, had to deal with that kind of stuff coming from Roman pagans at that time. Um, but here's the fucking crazy thing, right? Is that um, 
the Christians made the same claims against the Romans, right? So, so further on in that, in that dialogue, um, the pagans starts making arguments that um, Christians were drinking the children, uh, the blood of children in order to make a um, pact um, to fight the empire, right? To undermine the Roman empire. They, they made the arguments that Christians were stealing away Roman kids in order to like damage the Romans ability to like replenish their own, you know, offspring, right. To replenish their, their race basically. Right. Um, and that all takes place within that dialogue, right. Written by that Christian looking at the accusations made against Christians by Roman pagans. The fucking crazy thing to me is that the line after that decay of moral speech, that Christian lashes back at the pagan and says, but didn't the Roman insurrectionist Catalina make a pact with his own men to undermine Rome by drinking the blood of children? So like, as he's making this argument that the Roman pagans are wrong to say that Christians were drinking the blood of kids to make pacts, that Christian undermining that claim goes and says, but you Romans are doing the same thing. <laughs> and this is in 100 common era that like for, for, like Jesus had been dead for 70 years, right? <laughs> if, if, if like <laughs> if he, he existed. existed, yeah, if he existed, that's, that's how long ago people have been making these exact same claims. And that's as far back as I looked, like, I'm sure that if I bothered a historian friend of mine and wanted to go back to like Mesopotamia, I could find more shit like this, but that's as far back as I, I felt was appropriate to go <laughs> right with, with having a week to look this stuff up. This shit has been going on for 2000 fucking years. So well, I want to go ahead. Sorry. As I say, yeah, it's the whole, well, you, your party did it. So what's wrong with me doing it? Right. Right. Yeah. Or, or well, you accused me of that. doing it. So I'm going to accuse you of doing it. Yeah. Like, some projection, like some 2000 year old. What about ism? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just rolling down the hill. So it seems like anytime a group comes into power, uh, socially, it starts using like the same arguments against whatever scapegoat they want to set up, uh, which is why we've seen this repeated, you know, against Romans, against Christians, against Jewish folks, against, you know, governments and liberals, all that kind of thing. It always seems to be that traditionalists are trying to attack what they deem to be the outgroup with these sorts of claims. Um, so like I said at the outset, right, it's less important what the individual narrative is of these conspiracy theories. I think it's a lot more important to look at some of the common themes. So we're going to go over a few of those themes now. Okay. Uh, the first one uh, that we'll go over is uh, taking a child away from where it lives, uh, draining their blood or somehow harming them and then remove or returning them to their community. Right. Uh, so satanic panic, right. There was the claim that, uh, children were being, um, taken away from their daycare facility, right. When the cops would do these suggestive interviews where they would lead the kids on and they're questioning to tell these, you know, uh, ridiculous stories, but they were saying that those kids were being taken away from their daycare, um, tormented or tortured or using the black mass in some way, and then brought back to their daycare center. Right. Um, there's QAnon, right. QAnon has Pizzagate where they thought that like kids were being taken by this, this evil cabal and that the basement that didn't exist under a DC pizza parlor was being used to like house these traffic children. Right. Um, Which during the blood, say, oh, we were lucky. Nobody went and shot up any of the daycare centers like they did the pizza shop. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, that would have been awful. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, especially with the way that people are now, like I could see an Alex Jones listener doing something like that after yeah. like Parkland or something. Yeah. Um, in, in the 1600s earlier, I said the 1800s, um, and I misremembered, um, in the 1600s in Eastern Europe, um, there, you know, the Russian Orthodox claims that there was a boy who was, uh, kidnapped away from his home during Passover, um, taken to another town, bled out for nine days through this, this blood libel, you know, myth. Um, and then return his his body was returned to the hometown. Now, obviously, what probably happened is that this kid was killed by like a community member, and they needed to pin the blame on someone. And you know, Eastern Europe and the Russians, in particular, have been notoriously um, like bigoted against Jewish folks, right? So that's probably where that came from. The crazy thing is, though, is that like that particular story has been pushed by like the state of Belarus and their state TV. Um, as recently as 1997, you know, they put out a film that was alleging that that was still a true story. Oh, wow. um, and again, this is doing harm to Jewish communities, right? Because the crux of that story is that that child was harmed by Jewish folks when he wasn't right. Um, and then, like I was saying earlier, you know, the, the second century Romans, um, you know, there was the, the myth pushed in that dialogue I was telling you guys about that uh, Romans, uh, Roman pagans would, bring children and dogs to orgies, right? Like they would steal them away from, from Christian homes and take them to orgies. Um, so that's, that's like kind of a brief summary of stealing away children, um, looking at blood ritual, right? This is a second big trope. Uh, obviously the satanic panic had a lot of stuff where like blood was integral to black magic. Um, QAnon has their conspiracy about adrenochrome, which Ryan, you were saying, I guess, is like a real chemical, but it's not what the QAnon folks say that it is. Um, they claim that it's like the adrenal glands, like kind of push this out when a child is in fear and then it's tapped or harvested by the evil cabal. In reality, it's like kind of like a psychoactive drug or something you were saying. Well, it acts, I guess it acts as a psychoactive drug when they take it because um, there were it was actually so what adrenochrome is is it's it is uh it's epinephrine or adrenaline that's has oxid that's been oxidized so it's taking something that our body naturally produces and they oxidize it and they did some tests as a drug for people in 1950s and it made them go psychotic yeah, but I mean that's that's nothing to do with the claims about adrenochrome made nothing, by because yeah, because they say are, that like undoes the effects of aging and shit. Yeah, like rejuvenation, yeah. live forever, <laughs> kind of bullshit. Right, which it's falls magic. more into line with like Victorian myths about like vampires and shit like that. Like it's it's that you know blood being used for vitality, which is like a, a common trope. Well, and you it's know, um, and they and they uh, fall ahead, back sorry. on they fall back on like it having magical properties like it's not it's not even that you know okay so adrenochrome exists but it's not even just that they they can limit themselves to saying you know it exists and it may confer you know uh, feelings of euphoria or whatever it's no it's fucking magic and it's gonna make you younger right yeah yeah yeah. um you know, yeah, in the in the 1200s, um, one of the uh, blood libel myths was that Jews would annually bleed out a Christian child in order to, and I'm quoting here, recover from malady, right? Like, just like you were talking about, they believed it was some sort of magical thing that, like, by consuming this in concert, uh, uh, concert right, they would be somehow healed of things. And, like, it's, it's fucking Like bullshit. a cure-all? Yeah, yeah, like, literally, like, that it would <laughs> help them 
heal themselves if they did it as like a group communion kind of thing and then like fucking hey the communion right like like that, you know, magical jesus blood from oh blood. right yeah 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 we're right. eating his um, body and blood yeah right yeah um and then and then in the second century uh yeah there was the like i was saying earlier the the roman christians you know were believed by roman pagans to be drinking children's blood in order to make sacred pacts like it's a it's a keeps happening well so and, and it's weird too because like they you know you you mentioned that story earlier where they were talking about oh yeah they'll you know the the story is that they'll kidnap children and if they'll kill their own children what would they do to christian children well jesus you christians are eating and drinking their own fucking savior's body and yeah. blood like what right. would they do to people <laughs> Right. <laughs> like you're not that far removed from Aztec religions, fucking sacrificing virgins to the sun. Like, yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's wild, man. Um, so the last thing is not really something that we've covered up to this point, but it's also a trend I've, I've found common in all of these is some sense of there being like, like you are an in group who knows of this conspiracy that exists, right? If, if you're from the perspective of the conspiracy theorist, and then there's an out group who has power, Right. So with the satanic panic, there were those fringe claims of like some of the satanic stuff being involved in, in MK ultra or the Rothschilds, like you were talking about last week, Ryan, um, with, with the, uh, QAnon, you know, the, the supposed cabal is run by like liberal politicians, members of Hollywood, George Soros type folks. Like again, crazy that they happen to be Jewish folks. Um, and then uh, present day anti-Semitism, especially coming out of like Russia and, and white nationalist groups, um, you know, are, are Rothschilds, Soros, that kind of thing. Um, you know, they're still Middle Easterners and, and white supremacists who believe in the protocols of the elders of Zion, which itself is just a plagiarization, uh, plagiarization, plagiarism, <laughs> I'm having a stroke, um, is a plagiarism of like a French satire from a hundred years prior to when the protocols were written. Like it's, it's so much anti-Semitic bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And then again, you know, the, the, the Roman Christians going back to that, that second century, uh, uh, dialogue, you know, the Christians were being accused of having plots to overthrow the Roman government. And then in their same debunking of those plots would then accuse Romans of trying to overthrow the government. Like it's this whole fucking thing where they think that there are like these hidden power structures that are somehow just strong enough to be an imminent threat to everyone's safety and yet weak enough to never actually accomplish that threat. Um. So what the fuck do we do? Right. Like that's, that's the end of this is, is what does it mean? Why is this happening? What can we do about it? So, um, one author I found, uh, Richard Beck researched a variety of different moral panics. Um, and he believes that those panics happen whenever society has upheavals, right? In the 1970s and 80s, we were talking earlier, um, there was an increase of women in the workplace and, and general feminist values, right? Oh, yeah. Traditionalist men felt like they couldn't compete for their same jobs anymore. They felt like they no longer had a homemaker at home, uh, taking care of kids, making their food, doing fucking everything for them for free. Um, it's the decay of moral society. Yeah, which, I mean good (laughs) (laughs) fuck that society like you know i've I've been seeing the meme a lot recently like you know why aren't marriages lasting like they used to well because women could only run uh open their own bank accounts since the 1970s like yeah 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 um at the time 
uh, of the satanic panic and a little bit before it, conservatives were calling daycares a communist plot to destroy the family. Right. <laughs> so it, it only makes sense that these folks would start to find a way to vilify daycare centers. Yeah. Um, it, similarly, today's QAnon conspiracy can be looked at as a backlash against like further increases in feminism, uh, Me Too kind of stuff, as well as like broad, broad acceptance where it didn't exist, you know, 10, 15 years ago of, uh, you know, gay marriage and transgender individuals. Um, you guys are a little bit like not much older than me, but I'm sure like that when I was younger, you guys probably heard this too, you know, well, if we allow gays to have sex next, they're going to want to have sex with animals or children. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, I remember hearing that in the early 2000s. I still, I mean, five years ago. Yeah. Well, there, I was going to say there are fucking pastors like Greg Locke and the other stupid bastard in Arizona. I can't think of what his name is. Uh, Anyway, but there are, there are yeah. modern day Christian pastor, pastors who still say that same kind of fucking nonsense. Yeah. Um, and, and so it only makes sense that like if moral panics tend to form themselves as a backlash against broad social change that like QAnon was going to happen. Um, and so Beck also argues that the most effective conspiracies um, are the ones that stick to tropes that take the most advantage of people's anxieties and shifts the blame on the outsiders. Um, a trope is like a, like a frequently used element of like stories or whatever, like, like um, you know, the hero's journey in film and literature, right. Is a series of tropes, this idea of like, say, um, you know how like in every horror movie there's like a virgin a slut a jock um an african-american guy who dies first and a nerd you know like these Mm -hmm. are tropes right and and tropes are a lot like memes that way and and the argument is is that like there are tropes within conspiracy theory and the most successful ones just keep getting repeated over and over um so looking at the trope of like accusing people of of pedophilia or otherwise abusing children it's such an effective trope to be used because let's say that like I accuse Ryan of pedophilia, right? Dan, you'd immediately want to like come to his defense. Right. But then you're maybe, yourself, maybe not. No, no, you're not. Okay. So let's, let's say like, <laughs> or, or no, I say Dan won't defend me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no. And, and so that's like, like Dan will be thinking to himself, but if I'm wrong, now I'm the guy who defended the pedophile. Right. right? And people will yeah. remember that. And so it makes it that much harder for folks to come to the defense of people falsely, falsely accused by these uh, uh, conspiracy theorists because they make a claim that is so incredibly hard to come to the defense of the person being accused. Mm-hmm. You know, back in the day, it was just as effective to accuse someone of being gay, right? Because mm-hmm. being gay was seen as such a bad thing that if you came to the defense of a person who did turn out to be gay, then you looked like you were, you know, like possibly gay yourself. And yeah. That, yeah. Well, yeah. and it's, and it's these marginalized communities are marginalized portions of communities even that you know they can they can foist all of their problems all of their internal failings to onto some other person or group of persons it's not that they have to stop and take stock of the things that they've done personally that have led their lives to have some calamitous effect or something that's producing anxiety for them right it's always that they don't they don't look inside for to see what they could do to personally improve or fix their situations whatever's wrong in their lives has to always be foisted onto somebody else it's you know the things that are wrong in my life are wrong because of that person and what they yeah. are doing mm-hmm. yeah so 
The last person I looked at um, is a sociologist, Stanley Cohen. Um, he wrote a book called uh, Folk Devils and Moral Panics. Um, and he argued that a moral panic happens whenever a condition, episode, person, or group of persons emerges to become defined a threat to societal values or interests, right? Jewish folks, merchants, Romans, Christians, uh, gay folks, trans folks, right? African-Americans being able to have like jobs and no longer being suppressed or, by um, uh, Jim Crow. Mm-hmm. You know, or being anytime you've got... Yeah, right. Women being allowed in the workplace that, you know, they found a group of people who are um, changing the way that society is oriented in itself. And, and Cohen argued that there are five stages to a moral panic. First, someone, something or a group are defined as a threat to social norms or community interests. Second, the threat is depicted in a simple and recognizable symbol or form by the media. You can kind of see this like what happened with anarchist protesters or Mm -hmm. BLM protesters, right? Um, You know, pedophilic cabal within like the the QAnon YouTube, right? Um, The portrayal of the symbol arouses public concern, right? So let's look at the trans issue, right? People are going to point to a fictional, um, you know, trans woman going into a bathroom to sexually assault women, right? Yeah. That Mm -hmm. is the portrayal of that stereotype. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and then four, there's a response from authorities and policymakers. And five, the moral panic over the issue results in social changes within the community. So we're sitting at stage four right now um, with regards to the QAnon moral panic. Um, our society is divided over this. The people who adhere to the idea of QAnon um, believes that there is this cabal and they are changing society and they need to change the way that that the community works in order to counter this cabal. Meanwhile, you know, other folks who are opposed to Q see them as like out of touch with reality and insurrectionists and want to make sure that like they are pushed back out of society. Like this is happening in the house of representatives literally right now. Like we talked about this during an ad break. Yeah. Like, like literally like it's, 15 kind minutes of, ago yeah it's kind of just fucking happened and it's not going good mm-hmm. right right um and and according to cohen the issue only resolves itself when society changes in response to the moral panic so basically what has to happen is either the QAnon folks win and we don't live in reality anymore or folks reassert that there is objective truth and no reality to this conspiracy theory um, so we need to agree on basic facts again. Like the, the biggest thing to me is that the average person, right? Like the typical person who's listening to this podcast, not like a policymaker, you know, somebody in DC or somebody in like a PhD professorship. The biggest thing that you can do is pay attention to these tropes, pay attention to seeing a group being identified and isolated as an outgroup and then wild claims being made against them, especially look for stuff where people are claiming that there's some sort of like organization to that group. That's trying to oppose society. Look for anything involving blood, apparently, yeah, uh, you know, and abusive children. And if you see that start to happen more likely than not, someone is trying to create a moral panic in response to some social change. So in like 20 years from now, when like people are dating robots or something like that, like be ready for that kind of thing to happen. Like, and I, I make the joke about robots, but like it's kind of happening already. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like society is crazy right now. Um, and it always has been right. But there's so much change happening because of how the internet has allowed so many people to communicate oh, yeah. with each other so fast. Um, and with climate change fucking up, you know, people's access to water in the third world causing like major changes in demography as, as like refugees start moving around. Like these are going to start being issues. These social upheavals are going to happen more and more frequently, which means people who feel like they're losing their relative power are going to start scapegoating the scapegoating the people they feel that they're losing their relative power to. Um, you know, it reminds me of this uh, John Stewart quote, right? Like uh, equality feels like discrimination when you're used to being on top, right? I'm, I'm butchering yeah. his quote, but that's, that's, you know, when you're used yeah. to privilege, equality feels like being smacked. You're down. being left out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I was so, going to say too, like the whole, like normalizing this stuff because it was probably summer 2019 when QAnon hijacked, um, what was it? The, the save the children on, on Twitter, on Instagram and all the social media was going out in the streets doing save the children. And they recruited so many fucking people into that when the actual save the children thing was a legitimate group trying to help children that were being trafficked for sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I worked but, with one of the uh, guys who was involved in the like actual no shit, save the children, uh, uh, you know, movement and, and, and like movement makes it sound like keyboard warriors. I know a guy who as a journalist went with a team down to South America and he was an embedded journalist when they liberated actual no shit children being held by yeah. like human traffickers. Right. And he was one of the people who like worked with the save the children movement and to see his no shit real work where he put his life on the line bastardized by QAnon folks oh, yeah. is terrible. Mm-hmm. So that's what I've got. Like that's that that's kind of what I want to look at today is, is everything old is new again. Like people have been making these kinds of claims forever and it's a, it's folly for journalists and researchers. Like I fall into it myself to want to just like, Oh, let's look at the taxonomy of this shit. Let's try and pick apart. Like why do QAnon people believe what they believe? What, where are they coming from? Like, why do they feel the way they feel? They feel the way they feel because human beings have always fucking scapegoated folks. And we need to get past that and say, no, we've seen your bullshit before. Uh, we're not going to listen to it. it needs to be cut off way earlier than it is. It's not curiosity. It's not neat. It's not funny. Like the shit's bad. It's bad for society. Hi, this is Yvette Dontremont, AKA the Cybabe, And you're listening to godless revolution. You can find me at cybabe.com at my Twitter account at the Cybabe. And if you've hunt really hard, you can find me at Pornhub. I dare you. Suppose it's all true mm. and you walk up to the pearly gates and you are confronted by God. What will Stephen Fry say to him or, or it? I will basically, that is the Odyssey, I think, I, I'll say bone cancer in children? What's that about? How dare you? How dare you create a world in which there is such misery that is not our fault? It's not right. It's utterly, utterly evil. Why should I respect a capricious, mean-minded, stupid God who creates a world which is so full of injustice and pain? That's what I'd say. 
If you have questions, comments, concerns, compliments, corrections, criticisms, or concepts for content, contact the show via email at godlessrevolution at gmail.com, by text or voicemail at 330-81-REBEL, or Twitter the twatter at TGR Podcast. Thank you! So what do we do now? We're at the, the, the stage four. We got people like Green that are winning elections. Very heavy QAnon. She's not the only QAnon person holding office. Well, so um, Cohen argued in stage four, right, that there's a response yeah. to authorities and policymakers, right? Um, where we go from here, uh, going there now, right? Uh, while we were taking some breaks between segments, some news dropped. Uh, Nancy Pelosi put out a press release. Um, the head, uh, the, the headline of this press release goes, McCarthy, Q, California, fails to lead. <laughs> hands keys of party to green so instead of r so normally when press yeah yeah instead of r yeah normally they'll say like r or d and then what state they're from in in nancy pelosi's official press release she put q california right wow oh, yeah wow that's 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 not even just snarky that's like fuck Shots you kevin fired. mccarthy yeah yeah and wow chill zero yes <laughs> so So from this press release, it's very short, so I'm just going to read it. After several conversations and literally running away from reporters, Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, Q, California, made clear that he is refusing to take action against conspiracy theorist Rep. Marjorie Taylor Greene. As a result, the House will continue with a vote to strip Greene of her seat on the esteemed House Committee on Education and Labor and the House Committee on Budget. McCarthy's failure to lead his party effectively hands the keys over to Green, an anti-Semite, QAnon adherent, and 9-11 truther. McCarthy's cowardly refusal to deal with Green breaks with calls from Senator, Senator Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, Rep. Adam Kinzinger, and the Republican Jewish Coalition, and several prominent members of the party to take action against Green. As number two Senate Republican John Thune warns Tuesday, McCarthy has chosen to make House Republicans the party of conspiracy theories and QAnon, and Rep. Green is in the driver's seat. It's also worth noting that, um, and this is that's the end of her her uh, uh, press release. It's also worth noting that earlier on, McConnell called her a cancer on the GOP. Called Green a yeah. cancer. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 And he still was doing nothing to get her out of those positions, which she should not fucking be in. Right. Their the party is not policing themselves is what's happening. <sighs> yeah. They and I deeply hope that they're in what's what's called a realignment, like during the Southern strategy where a lot of Southern Democrats join mm-hmm. the Republicans. I hope that what we're seeing is the crazies within the Republican Party metastasizing to the point where either they take over it or the Republican Party finally rejects them out. I don't know which one's going to happen, but I hope that regardless, it ends up being bad for the crazies. Well, and and ultimately, it's going to be bad for the Republican Party, which also kind of somewhat translates into it being bad for the country as a whole. I mean, we we power abhors a vacuum, right? So if if McCarthy's not going to decide that he if he's not going to recognize that he's the minority leader in the house and that he is there to fucking lead people not be led by other people then he needs to step aside and if he wants to do that then sure let marjorie taylor green 
lead the Republican Party and watch how fucking fast and far any Republican with half a brain and a sense of decency leaves the party. And we're already seeing them do that in droves. Yeah. See, I'm just worried because like I'm old enough to remember like going to early, early um, Tea Party rallies, right? Like I went Mm -hmm. to Tea Party rallies to see what they were talking about in, in like the late aughts. And those people were crazy back then. Mm-hmm. And now those are the people who are the rank and file of the Republican Party. So, like, I'm not so sure that the crazies will leave, right, unless they just lose a lot. But that takes people not voting for them, which means crazies have to not adhere to them. Like, it's it's bad. It's really bad. Yeah. And, you know, I, I've been I've been really dismayed at I, I still have a, a fairly large number of friends who are right wing uh, they're they're not far right wing i would say they're they're much more mainstream republicans but i have been so disappointed so disheartened to see how many of the uh, how many of my friends on the right have not spoken out about how fucking awful and stupid and incompetent donald trump is and speak out about QAnon and all of this other bullshit swirling around him and his presidency. They all seem to just want to be along for the ride. And as long as it doesn't destroy the party entirely and they're getting something out of it, they're fine to sit on the sidelines and watch as Donald Trump destroys the party that they are part of, as long as they're still getting a little bit out of it. And so there has to be, there has to be a moment of reckoning where the Republican Party as a whole decides this is a road we can't go down anymore. We have to change or they're just going to fail everywhere. Yeah, I, I see this as the end of the Republican Party as we know it. Yeah, yeah I was going to say as we know it, because they could they could end up going the way of the Whigs, Right. And yeah. disappear. Or, I mean, we could be looking at like a no shit fascist party. Right. Mm hmm. Yeah, being it, the primary opposition party. Yeah, that's been a little bizarre to see how many people, like, like not only are are moving toward that direction, moving toward a direction of fascism, but more and more, I'm hearing people increasingly use the phrase or the term fascism as if it's not a bad thing. <laughs> that, that right? Oh yeah, yeah. Well, well, what's wrong with fascism? Like, fascism is okay. If that's if that's what we need to do to turn this country around and and make America great again, well, then I'm there for it. Yeah. If uh, what was it? If we have to have a dictator, I hope it's Trump. You know, was was what one Trump supporter said on TV. Yeah. Well, it's it's it reminds me of this quote: um, "Fascism is colonialism turned inward," uh, and it makes me think about like the loss of prestige that America has suffered since nine eleven. Like America, you know functions very much like an empire right we we get a lot of goods cheaply because we can afford to ship them in from the third world in china um because of our our natural defense of you know boundaries of the oceans right and our, our robust uh, uh natural resources we're we're one of the best positioned empires that's ever existed you know rome had bad guys on three sides right we don't um but because of 9-11, right, making God bleed, if you will, like when we got attacked and then when we just had spectacular failures through our wars in, in Iraq and Afghanistan, 
um, it's taken away that sense of prestige. And I think that's made people want to like get that back. And I think that's part of what they mean when they say make America great again, you know, is that sense of like, let's make America what it was when people didn't realize that we were just as vulnerable as everyone else. Yeah. And I agree. I just, I think it's bizarre though, that the route they're taking in order to try to make America what they think would be great again is making things so much worse. Like it's, they say they want to make America great again, but everything they're doing, the results of their actions are the exact opposite. Like on the world stage, the more these people are involved with quote unquote, making America great again, it's reducing American value in the eyes of the rest of the world. So where, where I see a, I, I see a make America great again as being, uh, I want white Christians to hold all the power. Mm-hmm. And, and we want to prop up the, sorry, let me rephrase that. People who say make America great again are saying we want to prop up white Christians by exploiting everyone else in order to have cheap, easy access to luxuries, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're saying that the colonial model wasn't all that bad. And if we want bananas for, you know, 75 cents a bunch, yeah, it's going to come in the backs of South American workers who are enslaved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a tale as old as time, but the 21st century has made it untenable to continue to act as colonizers and they're feeling the pinch, right? The, the folks who would be perfectly happy with the situation of colonizing are realizing that they can't continue to live as large as they have before. Yeah, like, but, did, I mean, did, that's, that's a whole other episode right there. Yeah. Didn't Trump basically say that Bush fucked up in Iraq because he didn't take all the oil? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And then, I mean, yeah. and he and, and Trump was like, yeah, let's go over there and we're going to commit war crimes. I mean, he didn't say it. He didn't say he wanted to commit war crimes, but the things he was advocating for are fucking war crimes. War crimes. Yeah. <laughs> They're, they're, they're violations of human rights. Oh, well, you know, these, we wouldn't have as many terrorists if we just started murdering their whole fucking family. Yeah. And, and you get the people that are like, yeah, I'm all for that shit, brother. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know plenty of conservatives who, you know, like we're all atheists here. That's what this show is about. I know plenty of, of people who have said like, yeah, absolutely. Let's coat bullets in pig's blood so that yeah. the you know Muslims can't go to heaven. And it's like, don't get me wrong. I don't like Islam, but I don't think that we should be like deliberately committing like sacrilege against individuals as a matter of policy. Like, yeah. I don't think yeah. that that's a particularly effective way to deescalate situations. Um, that's the Right. And and not only that, but it says more about them than it says about anyone else. Right. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's just I like it's fucking wrong. You don't need to do that shit. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for putting this all together, Taylor. This was awesome. I think it's yeah, been, thank been you. a fantastic discussion about this. Um, but that'll wrap things up for us this evening. Before we go, I want to mm-hmm. announce that we do have a winner in the contest from our episode, a couple episodes ago or a show, a couple episodes ago, or however you want to say it. (laughs) Uh, But I want to say congratulations to Mr. Ollie Olson for winning a fantastic prize. I have not yet contacted him, but I will be doing so either tonight or tomorrow 
to arrange getting the fantastic prize to him. So thank you, thank you, thank you for your participation and for everybody else who participated as well. I I love a lot of the messages that we got. Um, actually, I love all the messages that we got, but some of the specific items in there were, were pretty fun, and I look forward to using them in future episodes. I didn't prepare any of them this evening, but they should be fun going forward. Uh, I also want to make sure that we thank our Patreon supporters before we go. That would be, and let's see, why don't you kick it off tonight, Ryan? That would be Alan Firth. Christy Kalbach. Steven Andrus. Skeptical Chaps. Vanessa. Don't be a Richard. Ali Olson. John McCullough. Tiffany Hudson. Sinead Duffy. Utah Outcasts. Wesley Aaron. Andrew Vodapich. Jeremy Goodson. Let them eat Kofefe. Jeff Peterson. Corey Ebert. Megan Mitchell. Freethinker215. Uh, Tim Jacobson. Janet Uter. Savita Kuna. Sandra Sparks. <laughs> I like I like the substitution. That's good. <laughs> uh, I was like, we got to make it so Taylor lands on his name. <laughs> uh, Purple Dragon. Gotcha, fuckers. <laughs> Nico Gonzalez. Uh, Chad Prier. Prior, I, I apologize. Prior, I'm sorry, Chad. No. Chad Prior, thank you so much. And Patreon customer service sucks. Donkey balls is is <laughs> the latest thing from uh, from 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 our Patreon supporter who who changes his name to usually Simpsons characters followed by an organization they would like to support. I'll have to reach out to him and see <laughs> what that's all about because <laughs> I'm sure there's a fun story behind that. Um, he probably wasn't able to change it for a while. <laughs> oh, that could be because it was the same for a few weeks. Uh, but thank you all very much for tuning in. Uh, this has been a whole lot of fun. I'm looking forward to a whole bunch of fun stuff we've got planned for the future. And before any of that will happen, I need to do some work this weekend to figure out some fucking computer shit here in the studio because tonight <laughs> we were beset by technical issues that will make editing the show a bit of a nightmare. But Thank you both for, for joining me this evening. Thank you all for listening, and we'll chat at you next week. Happy birthday, Mom. See you guys. So we'll like cut here <laughs> for a break. <laughs> I want to add some like, that. like <laughs> cuts. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Jacking off and playing video games. Like that's my life right now. Don't, Don't worry. Laugh. They won't laugh at you. Dan, push the laugh button. <laughs> that's not it. <laughs> that's not it. There we go. That's, no, that's not laughing there either. No. No. There you go. No. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Yeah. So it looks like in looking at the audio on this end, it looks like you're a little hot, Ryan. You're, I know. I'm pretty damn sexy. You're, you're a little hot, Ryan. I got threatened with a lawsuit for that shit. It was awesome. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> all right. We're friends here, right? <laughs> okay. Don't ruin this for me. I'm trying to see if I can, for three years in a row, not know, be my friend, not know who is playing at the Super Bowl until after the Super Bowl is over. Oh, you know, I'm just going to take this to like, why the fuck isn't Nancy Kerrigan skating anymore?
I don't know what that is. <laughs> you know who Nancy Kerrigan is? No. Oh. 